right, everybody, welcome to B.O. Boys for Tuesday, March 30th. Fuck it, it's a raw feed. We're doing it live. I'm Clayton. Yeah, I'm Pat. Pat, we got so much to talk about, my friend. Let's just jump into it. We wow. are going to talk about this top five from the weekend of March 26th. And we've got a new number one movie. It's huge. It's huge. Nobody. Wow. Grossed $6.8 million in its first weekend. It played 2,460 theaters. And believe me, we're going to have a lot to say about Nobody. We'll get back to that. But let's zoom through the rest of this top five because people like it. They like it when we zoom. This way they can get everything at the top and then everything else is gravy, as they say. Yeah. This is the zooming that people like this year. Yeah, the I know. Only zoom. I hate you know. I I hate to invoke that word. We got to think of a, a better term than zoom. Uh, plow. Let's plow. We're gonna plow through. They like when we plow. Let's plow through. Yeah. So we're plowing through. Number two, Raya and the Last Dragon made three point seven million, down twenty seven percent, for a total gross of twenty eight. million. Then we got Tom and Jerry. Number three made $2.5 million, down 35%. And losing some theaters, 44 theaters it lost. It is at $37 million. Number five, The Courier made $1 million, down 45%. Oh, I'm so sorry. Shit. That's That's not right. Number four is Chaos Walking. Oh, there we go. There we go. Uh, I fucked up. See, raw feed. Fuck it. We're doing it live. But Number you know four. what? It's the danger of plowing. Sometimes bad things happen when you plow and you just got to keep plowing. Yep. Plowing away. Chaos Walking is number four. Made $1.2 million. Down 37%. Lost 96 theaters. Cum, $11.4 million in its fourth weekend. Now we get to number five because it was number four last weekend. That's the number I was looking at. Mm -hmm. Number Mm -hmm. five, The Courier, $1 million, down 45%. Added 208 theaters, weirdly. Wow. Is at $3.4 million Cum. So that's your top five. Right under it, we've got The Crude still holding tight. It's cum right now is fifty five point nine million dollars, and remember we're looking at that number fifty eight, which is the is is that tenant number. Mm-hmm. We want we want to see Crudes beat tenant, but we're gonna talk about a movie that's coming out in uh, tomorrow that okay. may make that number irrelevant. Yes, but we're I teasing that. That's a tease. What we got to talk about now we got to really dig into this, is this number one movie, Nobody, starring Bob Odenkirk, Mm -hmm. a newly minted movie star. Yes, an action movie star. Mm -hmm. That's what's so interesting is, you know, if if you told me 20 years ago Bob Odenkirk was going to become a movie star, I would have said probably not. But if he was, I was going to say, okay, well, then I guess he becomes a late-in-life comedy movie star. 
you know, like he, he, he becomes like a Rodney uh, Dangerfield. Yes, yes, yes. You would have thought, okay, Bob Odenkirk's going to become a movie star. It's going to be in the Bobby, in the, in the Rodney Dangerfield mold, you know, mm-hmm. after 40 gets a big comedy, couple of gross out comedies and you're off to the races. Instead, he decided to become a movie star in his 50s as an action hero. Yeah, he's 58 years old. Wow. This is one of the, um, I think, going to go down as one of the most unique movie star mintings of all time. Yes. You know, because like Leo becoming a movie star with Titanic— you look at it and it makes sense. He's a beautiful young actor who becomes a movie star in a big romantic movie geared, I mean, at everyone. That's the ultimate four-quadrant movie, but specifically at teenage girls with lust in their hearts. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. That's how you make a movie star. Hot young guy, romantic movie geared at lustful teenage girls. But minting a movie star as a 58-year-old action hero who was previously best known as a sketch comedy writer and performer is an interesting road to take. It is. I mean, there is that that stop along. Obviously, this would not have been able to happen without Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, where he became Mm. a dramatic heavy. So there is that step that I think led closer to this, but by no means to this. It's still, even though he became a dramatic actor who is Emmy-nominated and SAG-nominated, he is not a guy you would think as an action star. I Mm. mean, is this... Bruce Willis had a similar trajectory, though, where he did a uh, Moonlighting, which was a light comedy... A bit of drama involved in there, too, but more behind the scenes. And he then became an unlikely action star. But I would say Bob Odenkirk is an even more unlikely action star than Bruce Willis. And even calling Bruce Willis an unlikely action star at this point in history, it's been rewritten so much that no. if I said that to someone, they'd say, you're kidding me. He is an, He's just an action star. There's no bigger right. action star. Or at some point, there was no bigger action star than Bruce Willis. Right, right. It would be it would be like saying, um, do you believe there was once a time when Bruce Willis wasn't bald? And people would say, no, he has been bald since he was a baby. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, yes, Bruce Willis has always been a bald action star, even though, of course, there was that small window where he was a heavily haired uh, romantic TV actor. And blues singer. And blues singer. But yeah, Bob Odenkirk is at almost 60 years old becoming an action star. So let, let's dig into this in the sense that this movie opened up to $6.8 million, and nobody is in theaters only. You know, it's a universal release, so it'll be on PVOD sometime in the next two to three weeks. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to have that 17 to, you know, 21-day window. Mid mid April, so, it's coming out. PVOD. So six point eight million dollars opening weekend. You know, listen, we've been bullish on everything the last few weekends because people are getting vaxxed and waxed, 
and things are looking up. So, you know, we our predictions have been kind of on the high side. Mm-hmm. You know, last week I was thinking maybe nobody can make $15 million. You were I was 10. at 10. You were at 10. It came in at 6.8. And despite that, we're both pretty um, – pretty bullish on this was still a huge success and this was a movie star minting weekend. Yeah, and the thing with this is that we were being a little short-sighted with the uh, who would go see this movie. And mm-hmm. because this is not a four-quadrant film. You were, you're mentioning no. Titanic. This, this is a one-quadrant film or a two-quadrant film, basically, which is males under 25 and males over 25 because when you look at the demographic that came out for this it's 62 percent male so this isn't a date movie and this isn't a take your kids to the movies movie so it would be very hard for a movie that is so focused on that one or those two quadrants to make 15 to 10 million in this time because you can't you got to take your kids everywhere. I think that's why kids movies are doing so well. It's like, what are you going to do with the kids? You can't take them to grandma right. and grandpa because they will kill them. So right. Right. you need to take them with you. That's why Tom and Jerry made such such uh, a good amount of money as opposed to a, a movie like Nobody, which the important key thing is that the people it was aimed at came out for it, though. Mm-hmm. That's the big thing. That's why Nobody is a success, because it was a targeted movie that hit its target. Because well, And nowadays, a four-quadrant movie is not really possible because not all quadrants are vaxxed. You know, so you can't have a four quadrant hit right now. At best, you could have a one or two quadrant hit because we're vaxxing people in stages and we're vaxxing people in quadrant stages. You know, so so right now you're just not going to have all four quadrants ready to go. You know, back Mm -hmm. in the days of Titanic, you could have a four quadrant hit because all four quadrants were vaxxed. Or, you know, vaxxed for what was out at the time. You know, obviously COVID wasn't a concern in in uh, 1997, but all four quadrants were vaxxed for polio. And all four quadrants were vaxxed for mumps and measles. So you had four fully vaxxed quadrants. Right now, at best, we have got the the old quadrant, you know, the the, the quadrant of older men, older women, that quadrant is, is possibly like 60% vaxxed. You know, you've got the younger male and female quadrants, I would say, are maybe like 10% vaxxed. And those are the 10% that have like, you know, bad hearts and, and, and other underlying conditions. So they might not be the most movie going of that quadrant anyway. So right now, we're just in a period where it's hard to have a four quadrant hit because not all quadrants are vaxxed. It's not the days of, you know, even a couple of years ago, Avengers Endgame came out. All four of those quadrants were pretty well vaxxed. Mm-hmm. And, and it's interesting to just go off uh, nobody for a second, is that if the studios were thinking, they would have 
you know, if they would have known this timeline of when people were being vaxxed, they could have done a better job at targeting release dates, right? So mm-hmm. something like the HBO Max film, Let Them All Talk, which was yes. only released to HBO Max. This would have been the perfect corridor to release that film. That is yep. a movie directed by Soderbergh, but starring Meryl Streep, Candace Bergen. It's an older skewing film. And mm-hmm. pretty much by this weekend, anybody in that age group that would want to go see that movie, anybody in the quadrant who'd want to see that movie, is vaccinated. So yes. therefore, you would have Bafa Bobo for a movie that normally would maybe get lost in the shuffle or you know, wouldn't have as high of a, uh, a Q rating. But if you really promoted this to the, the places and the people that you wanted it, you could have had a big opening for a movie like that. But it's, it's, I've heard really great things about it, but it is currently just languishing on HBO Max without any sort of wide release. But that's yes. the kind of thing is like if you would have played with the vaccinations and the quadrants, you could have really had a home run but they weren't i think maybe the information wasn't wasn't fully there and i understand it for that because mounting a big promotion for a movie with only a few weeks notice would be very difficult but you could have just put that movie in the theater this weekend and i wouldn't say i don't know if it would be nobody but it definitely would have done Bafa bobo and it would have been top 5 slam doink so this i think what we're seeing here also proves you know that the entertainment industry and the movie industry did not really have say in the order in which vaccinations were distributed. So mm-hmm. it would have been quadrants know, the, if they if they had say. Exactly. If if the if Hollywood had their say and they were the deciders of who got vaxxed first, it would have been the younger male quadrant first, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yes. That is that is if, if, you know, the mayor of Hollywood got to decide, it would have been males uh, under the age of 25. If you show, especially if you show that you have a, um, uh, you know, an old movie pass subscription or an AMCA list subscription, that gets you to the top of the vaccination line. Because that shows you are a young male who spends money on movies. If you have like... Uh, ticket stubs from comic cons or you know like a taxi driver poster on your wall if you could show proof of that that would have been first in line to get vaccination because that is the most important quadrant to hollywood is young males let's be honest so the fact that older people and people with comorbidities are first in line for the vaccination and you know of course healthcare workers who are out there doing God's work, saving us all, but their schedules probably don't permit them to be the most frequent moviegoers. The fact that they are getting the vaccination first, it does again show you that Hollywood is not deciding the vaccinations. Because if it was up to Hollywood, I'm sorry, but healthcare workers would probably be at the bottom of the list because we know they're not going to movies as much as the rest of us. They're just too busy. Yeah, maybe maybe uh, every other month they go to a, a movie for a date night, fall asleep almost immediately before finishing their popcorn. That right. is not who Hollywood is aiming their movies for, unfortunately. I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm just saying it's reality. So then before we get back to Nobody, let's rank 
the quadrants in terms of if, if it was up to the movie industry, how the quadrants would have been vaxxed in order. So we're saying young males with Comic-Con stubs, that's your first quadrant to get vaxxes. And, and, I, and I also, you know, I, I want to say number two would be young, young females, even though I, mm. I, I don't think they probably don't go to as many. I don't know. That's that's. See, it's hard. No, here. I think that's it. That's how you mint your your big heartthrobs. Yeah, you know, you gotta vax those young. Uh, uh, you gotta vax the young female quadrant if you have any hope of minting new male heartthrob movie stars. Yeah. So you gotta vax that quadrant. I think young females are the next to get vaxed. I mean, is it then? Uh, old males are the third quadrant to get Yeah, vaxxed. I think it's old males and then it's older females. And then older females are the last to get vaxxed mm-hmm. if it was up to Hollywood. That that makes sense. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, Book Club, we loved it. It was a surprise medium hit, but it made about $70 million domestic. That's not going to cut it when you're deciding what quadrant to vax. Exactly. Um, so back to nobody. Yeah. So that what is we were a movie saying that did well with the young male quadrant. Is this a movie that is going to make Bafa Bobo in the weeks to come? Because is this a dad movie? I okay. So I think it's a specific type of dad movie. Now we're gonna get down to demographics and 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 obviously with this, you know. We're just giving the demographics for who came out to this film, right? Okay. So 56% of, of the people who came out were over 35, and, uh, or under 35, I'm sorry, and then 44% were over uh, 35. So this is skewing young. Okay. It's also skewing Caucasian, so 47% Caucasian, uh, and then 21% Hispanic, 18% African-American, and 6% Asian. So the thing with this is that for an action film, it's skewing very much in one direction, which okay. also which also is not the, the best for something to make Bafa, Bafa Bobo, right? Because when you look at something like the Fast films, those are probably pretty much across the board, high percentage of the diversity who's going to see this film, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and so you're getting, you're getting, uh, a, a more, the more targeted you get, the less likely that you're going to get, uh, 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 buffa, 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 bobo. But I yeah, do think. I mean, that makes sense because the fast movies are such a great multicultural cast and their two main stars are Vin Diesel and The Rock who every, you know, race and creed thinks both of them are their ethnicity. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas Bob Odenkirk is very definitively a Midwestern white guy. Yeah. And so I do think that, yes, I do think that there's going to be dads, Midwestern dads, that will come out and see this film. And and I, so I do think that this could be a big dad film. It might already be a big dad film. Yeah. And the thing about dad films is dads— don't necessarily come out opening weekend. No. You know, dads are not the first person at the party. They're the last person at the party. Often they're the people that you've got to wake up 
off the couch at the party and say, you know, it's it's pretty late. Maybe you should get your wife and, and get going. She's, you know, she's had a few drinks. She's in the kitchen. You've been sleeping on my couch. Why don't you go? You know, but they're not the first person there. No. No, and, and, and I think if we're talking about this movie uh, continuing to have legs, there's a few things that are pointing in the positive direction with this. Movies like Unhinged, The Marksman, Liam Neeson's, uh, one of his films that came out during the pandemic, they did a five-time multiplier of their opening. Mm-hmm. This is very akin to those, but it opened higher than those. Right. Because when you look at the opening weekend for The Marksman, it was 3.1. And then he had a similar movie, Liam Neeson, that opened during the pandemic, Honest Thief, which made 3.6. You had Unhinged, which had like a, a kind of a peaked its little head out for one weekend in a small number of theaters, but then its wide release, it made $4 million. So when okay. you look at this film, Making six, almost seven, that's a really big improvement for very similar films that probably had very similar demographic uh, and age breakdowns. And then you're going to get Regal opening theaters, not all of their theaters. That's I think that's something that has to be stressed, and we'll talk about this when we get into Godzilla vs. Kong, that they are not opening all of their theaters. They're opening... 22 of their highest grossing theaters. So you're going to see some in LA. You're going to see some uh, one in New York. But they they make up the bulk of you know their 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 grosses. So you're going to see those open up. You're going to see LA opening to 50% capacity now because that's, that's just been okayed. So I would not be surprised if this film has a very very small drop. Yeah, and the thing is, if this movie which again made 6.8 opening weekend, so almost seven. If this movie multiplies to five times its opening weekend, you're looking at a movie that's making around $34 million, almost 35, which this movie cost 15. That's a big hit. And I think it has a chance of multiplying higher than five times. Mm-hmm. I think it has a chance of multiplying better than the Liam Neeson and Russell Crowe movies from the past year because it's going to have more people who are vaxxed and waxed, more people who are able to go to the movies, just a better, you know, feeling out there, more theaters open. So it'll have some positives. It'll have, you know, there's some big movies opening up the next month or so, but it's the HBO Warner movies, so... You nobody is going to have a pretty good runway to rack up some Baffa Bobo these next you know six weeks or so. And it's it's been well promoted, well reviewed. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. got an A minus cinema score. the The hype machine is out in full effect for this film, so people are going to realize it's out. Because again, hardcores. Uh, they'll go out first weekend. Dads, people who are uh, who are skeptical, will wait till the next weekend. And I think we're going to see those people in droves because positive word of mouth, good bo. It's being touted as as good bo, which it is. Yeah, and, and so and th- I, that's going to draw people. And you know, back to the dad movie thing, it has 
the kind of wish fulfillment that the best dad movies have. And mm-hmm. that I don't think this the pandemic action movies really had. You know, because if you look at some of the movies like Russell Crowe and Unhinged, that's not a wish fulfillment movie for a dad. You know, a dad may see, understand that he's always one moment away from snapping and murdering someone in a road rage incident. But the dad doesn't want to admit that, and a dad doesn't want to see himself in that type of character. Mm -hmm. So unhinged, a dad is going to understand that's possible for his future, but is not going to wish that that's what happens. Or, you know, the Liam Neeson movies, the Marksman, I don't think dads really knew what that was about. You know, I don't think dads really knew whether they wanted to be Liam Neeson when they looked at that poster or never let him go with Costner. You know, Costner is very much like heavily promoted as a grandpa in that movie. And I think dads, whether they're grandpas or not, they want to be dads. They don't necessarily want to look at themselves as grandpas. So that's a big difference. Nobody is about a schlub who starts kicking ass. And that is the ultimate dad wish fulfillment. And and I think they could someday be something bigger than a schlub. I think there is a commenting on on uh elements in that movie that don't go come through in the advertising which is Mm -hmm. fine because i think that's how you draw people in and then if you get them to look at themselves that's even better but at that point they already paid for their ticket so you know you can't return you can't return a ticket uh, for a movie because it made you look inside yourself you can't do that so i have a feeling that this film will be the Scarface for dads. Mm-hmm. It'll be a movie that is held up as it's dad kicking ass, but it might not end in the most positive way, but they're not going to think about that. At the end, Tony gets shot up a lot. He dies. That's a bad ending. It shows, you know, it's not great to be Scarface because that's how it ends. But people are like, oh, but Scarface looks so cool. And I think yes. this will be the dad equivalent of Scarface, I think if you go to a a dad's man cave, you're going to start seeing nobody posters. Yes. Divorced dads, their small apartments that they had to move into after the divorce. What's going to be on their bedroom wall? A nobody poster. Yes. Yes. That might be the only mirror that they have in their house is, you know, if they put that nobody poster behind glass and they could get a little bit of their reflection in Bob Odenkirk's face, you know, and they see his black eye, his bloody lip, and then in that glass or that plastic, they see a little bit of their own unkempt beard, black eye, because they went to, you know, try and get their wife back, and the wife's new lover punch him in the face on the stoop of what used to be their house, They'll see themselves in that poster in their new divorced uh, studio or hotel rental. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I think I think this is going to be a big dad movie because it's wish fulfillment. It's you know schlub to bub, which is a big dad journey that they all want to go on. They want to go from being a schlub to being a guy who calls other people "Hey, bub." You know that that's what dads want. And I think nobody gives that to them 
or at least the marketing of nobody gives that to them in a way that these other action movies from the pandemic era really haven't delivered. Yeah, and, and I so I we we agree that this film is going to have legs. Yes, yes, I think this is going to for sure make over thirty domestic total, which makes it a hit because it's double its production budget. And I think the big big barometer where this is a this is a relative blockbuster if this crosses forty domestic. Mm-hmm. You know, I think if we're looking in May and nobody is around 40, then it is, wow, this is potentially a franchise. You know, that's the sort of John Wick, you know, and this is from uh, creative the creatives of John Wick, some people who worked on that movie. If nobody is staring at $40 million in a couple of months and his domestic run, throw in whatever it's going to make on PBOD, which is probably going to be pretty big, Poster sales to dads. You know, poster sales for dads. You know, if you're getting, like, uh, uh, coffee mugs and dishware with Bob Odenkirk's face on it because, you know, they didn't get any of the dishware or the the coffee mugs in the divorce, then you're starting to look, is this a John Wick-type franchise? Is there nobody to? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I mean it's a it's a it's a triumph for these for these these guys the John Wick guys because they created a production company and I think this is one of their first projects, so so that's a big deal. And yeah, I think this movie is going to benefit from the large number of people that are be gonna be running to the theaters starting tomorrow, and then this weekend is going to be popping. Yeah, I mean, listen, I'll say it. Here on the show, I am seeing this in theaters in a couple of weeks. Mm. I will be fully vaxxed and waxed within a week and a half. And nobody is probably going to be my first time back in the theater in over a year. Well, uh, we, we can't wait for that for that uh, report. When you report on that, that'll be a huge, huge deal. For me, I will be watching it on PVOD in mid-April. You got it. You got to get Vax and Wax so we can start doing some from the theater reports. I mean, I am going to be going to, you know, talk about the movie a little bit, but I will be coming back reporting on the popcorn, reporting on the concessions, reporting on, um, you know, whether some of the the suggestions that we've been giving out to the movie industry, the theater industry in this last year, whether they have started to take hold. Yeah. You know. Whether they're, uh, you know, whether the the uh, theater workers are doing a good job of making a show of cleaning. Well, that's great. We cannot wait for that. Now, I think we need to get to Godzilla versus Kong because looking at the rest of this top five, I feel like a lot of these films are are losing theaters. They're kind of dead in the water. Ryan the Last Dragon. I have heard that even though Regal is opening. 22 of their biggest grossing theaters, Raya is not going to be playing in those theaters. Really? Because they were not able to come to an agreement with Disney. Because wow. Disney went and put it on their premium access. And Regal was not happy about that. So Regal, I mean, Raya is probably not going to get a Regal bump. In fact, wow. it definitely won't get a, a, a Regal bump. But Warner Brothers, as we talked about last week, did reach that deal 
with Regal. So, which is that's so interesting because remember when Warner Brothers was Public Enemy, not wow. number one, but had become Public Enemy number one because then it was Universal before that, and now it was Warner Brothers, and now it's Disney. So it's so funny that this Public Enemy keeps moving because now Universal they look like great guys and gals for even putting movies in the theaters. I mean, Universal's been the, been pretty much the lifeblood of movie theaters uh, during the pandemic. Same thing with HBO Max. HBO, I mean, sorry, Warner Brothers, but the fact that they're releasing these films in the theater and also doing the HBO Max, it's still giving product to the theaters. Right. right. But Disney, I think, the thing with Disney is that they're not, they're not offering any money whatsoever to the theaters from those premium access rentals I mean, I, or purchases. I think it just goes more to my theory that what Disney is really looking to do is to choke out the theatrical uh, chains so that they could buy them for pennies on the dollar in, in the next year or so. Mm-hmm. If you ask me, Disney is actively – working towards putting these movie theater chains out of business so that they could just gobble them up. Yeah. And I think, I think that, I mean, we're going to see, listen, a lot of things that we have said have come true or will come true. And I think that's one of them. Yep. Um, Yeah. Looking at this top five, nothing super interesting here. I mean, the courier, added a lot of theaters like you said it added 208 theaters and it didn't get it over the hump of getting it past chaos walking which i mean chaos walking is a huge bomb because it costs 100 million dollars and right now it's made 11.4 million total but relative to how bad it could have done in this period it's not doing worst case scenario Mm-mm. Um, no, it kind of hung on. Yeah, yeah. Um, and nothing else really in this top 10 super interesting. Well, Minari is, I now think... in the, is number nine, getting a little Oscar nom nom noms bump. And... I think we do have to mention very quickly, though, Tom and Jerry no longer on HBO Max. Just in theaters, yeah. yeah. Just in theaters. So does that... Do you think Generation uh, Tom and Jerry, which is what we've renamed the Zoomers, do you think that they will need their fix and clamor to go to the theater to to get another hit of that Tom and Jerry shit? Yeah, I mean, I I can see that. I mean, I think Tom and Jerry is going to continue to hold pretty well. I think it's going to be, you know, more playground talk where kids are being told you have to see Tom and Jerry or else we're really going to, you know, knock you around next weekend. So you got, you got to, you got to see it or else you'll get some of that, Mm -hmm. some threats from other kids on the playground, which is always good for goose and box office. Kids are not playgrounds though, dude. Kids are not on playgrounds. They're getting threats uh, via Zoom. They're getting. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll wallop you, and I'll wallop you next in in six months when we're in classroom together. That's so true. the threat is still real. It's just not as um, immediate. Right, right. Um, yeah, and and I think yeah, there's definitely the Tom and Jerry kids who have seen it on HBO Max. They've seen it in the theater, and they need to see it again. Um, so that'll keep doing pretty well. But yeah, otherwise, this top 10, 
nothing huge. I think we talked about the Oscar nom nom noms a few weeks ago, and I really don't see the nom nom noms really having helped any of these movies. I mean, Nomadland is doing nothing out there. Judas and the Black Messiah did not get any kind of bump at all for its best picture, nom nom nom. I mean, The Father is the number 11 at the box office, averaging $240 per theater. I mean, that is pretty much nothing. No one cares about that movie. The only thing that these nom nom noms have done is is made these these companies report the box office mm-hmm. because before that there was pretty much no box office for a lot of these movies. Yeah. It it put it on the map in a way that they could say, "All right, well let's just say, you know, we'll say it made 200,000 or whatever it made or 100,000 or whatever it made." Right. So I think that's that's the only big thing that these nom nom noms have done. Yeah. I mean, I I think you maybe were the one who said it on our Oscar nom nom noms episode, but it probably is only going to be the movies that actually win Oscars that get some kind of bump in the week or so after the actual Oscars. But the nom nom noms themselves have not really mattered. And I think historically that's usually the way. Yeah. I mean, definitely more this year, especially because the Oscars themselves feel so much more low profile than they usually do. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about Kong versus Godzilla, because that is, I mean, can we say, is this movie opening up um, on, when does it open up? It opens up tomorrow. Tomorrow, 31st. It opens up March 31st. Is this the biggest movie event we have had since last, what, end of February? Over a year? Well, Wonder Woman 1984, I think, and Tenet would be the other two that you could say were major openings. I mean, Tenet was supposed to have been. I mean, we all we've we've beat that dead horse. Uh, uh, you know, if they say a horse has has uh, nine lives, you know, we've killed uh, a couple of dozen horses on this show. Tenet well, opened up. To pretty much a, a, a huge bust of a number. Well, here's the thing, though. It was a it was planned as a big release. It was right. a blockbuster. Right. It was a, a attempt at a blockbuster. So that Wonder Woman 1984 and Godzilla versus Kong, those are the three big tent poles that have been released in theaters or will be released in theaters, obviously, because Godzilla is not coming out till tomorrow. But those are the three biggies. Mm-hmm. And right now, the tracking for Godzilla vs. Kong is estimated between 20 million and 30 million. Mm-hmm. Jesus fucking Christ. 20 and 30 million, right? So when you look at this, is a five day, okay? This is a five day. So keep that in mind. The Wonder Woman 1984 opening was 16.7, and I believe that was a three day. Because it opened over Christmas. Mm-hmm. So the number to beat here is really that 16.7 for a three-day. Okay. Because when we look at Tenet, Tenet was 20.2 for like three weeks. We, we, we went through and we picked that apart. We dissected that number and 
its three-day weekend for the actual three-day was uh, around 9.3 yeah. to 9.7. Yeah, so Godzilla Something like v. Kong is going to just crush that. That's that's not even a, a, a consideration. The tenant. Yeah, so, yeah, so that's the thing is like, it's going to be great if this number is 30 and it's five day because people won't realize it's a five day. They're not going to, uh, you know, uh, cut into that the way we will when we do mm-hmm. our next episode, which will we will dissect these numbers. Mm-hmm. And we're excited to dissect these numbers. But we do have to keep in mind that this 20 to 30 is a five day. So we're going to have to look, I think, at that three day to really see the health of the theaters. And because... The Regals are not opening till the weekend. They're not opening till April 2nd. So you're going to have a Wednesday and a Thursday that will not have those Regals in those most populous areas, those high-grossing theaters open. Right. So so those two days might not be as big of a boon as they normally would be if everything was obviously open or if they decided to open for the Wednesday. Well— I mean, I also think that this movie is going to make the vast majority of its money over the three-day weekend anyway. Because, like you said, Regals don't open till Friday. But aside from that, right now, movie theaters that are open are often opening on, you know, limited schedules where the weekday showings are sometimes they're closed during the weekdays or they're having very limited showings during the week. You know, it, it's it's go it, Wednesday is probably going to be pretty negligible. Thursday daytime is not going to be gigantic. It's not like it's not the summer. Kids are still in school, right? Kids are mm-hmm. in school. And here's one thing to consider. So when a movie opens normally on a weekend, It'll have, you know, the tradition now is these Thursday night preview shows, right? Which have creeped, you know, originally they were like Thursday night midnight showings. It's the last couple of years creeped to basically being movies open on Thursday evenings. You know, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock showings, 8 o'clock showings. So, and those always count as part of the three-day weekend. That has been just... Uh, uh, ushered in where Thursday night showings of an opening weekend count as the three-day weekend. So having said that, whatever Godzilla makes from a Thursday evening showing really should count towards the three-day weekend because if Godzilla had opened on the Friday, it probably would have had Thursday night showings. Yes, so yeah, we we all yeah they used to be midnight showings and then it became six o'clock seven o'clock right. eight o'clock showings right right so so I think Godzilla is gonna still make most of its money this weekend from like late Thursday on so this five day number is gonna be pretty close to the three day number you know I and. If they're predicting twenty to thirty million dollars for the five day, that means it's probably going to make eighteen million plus in the three day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because so just looking at numbers with theater counts, mm-hmm. this 
is going to open at three over 3,000, so wow. about 3,100 theaters, which is more than Tenant opened, mm-hmm. 2,800, and more than Wonder Woman, 1984, which only opened in 2,151 theaters. Wow. Now, and that's because we were things still weren't uh, still weren't open. There was more theaters open during Tenant than there was for Wonder Woman mm-hmm. because remember Regal just completely closed down. Uh, and didn't reopen for Wonder Woman mm-hmm. uh, 1984. So Wonder Woman made 16 with a less less amount of uh, theaters mm-hmm. and screens. Mm-hmm. And at a time where nobody was vaccinated. Nobody's vaccinated. It was right in the middle of that, like, everyone went home for Thanksgiving and got each other sick, period. So a, a pretty... You know, a pretty bad spot in the history of the pandemic is when Wonder Woman opened, you know, on Christmas Day. So, yeah, I I would be shocked if Godzilla vs. Kong doesn't smash the Wonder Woman three-day weekend number. It seems inevitable. Yes. Godzilla vs. Kong v. Wonder Woman. Godzilla v. Kong will win. Yes, in that matchup, it's, of course, it's going to eat Tenet's lunch. Tenet's not even. I know even mentioning Tenet is 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 stupid. But the only reason I mentioned Tenet too is that now the Crudes beating Tenet will not really mean much because Godzilla v Kong is going to be the 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 big guys on the block right. when it comes to what to reach. I mean, it's going to be something. Next episode, you know. Monday when we're recording, because I think next week we got to be, we got to put out the Monday episode because it's going to be such a hot story. And yeah, we wanted to do a Tuesday episode so people could be primed for the Wednesday release of Godzilla vs. Kong. Of course. And they know that and they're happy that we did it. But when we get on the air for this next episode and we're looking at an opening weekend that is in the 20s, a five-day that is in the high 20s, possibly hits 30. That is going to look like old times again. And for the listeners at home, it's going to sound like old times. It's going to sound like B.O. is back, and I am excited for it. I am so excited that these two monsters from the turn of the century and from the, the the nuclear age are back on screen kicking ass and saving the movie industry. Thank God for Kong. Yeah. And, and I think the one thing that we mentioned previously, but I need to reiterate because I was mentioning it as a tease for this, is that they are going to open in L.A. County uh, it's going to be open to 50% capacity now, mm-hmm. which that's a big deal. And I think that really is going to add to the, the, the BO for this film. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, it's really something. I mean, we talked about Bob Odenkirk being minted as a movie star with nobody, you know, King Kong is already a movie star. He's, uh, uh, one of our more reliable movie stars, if you look at his track record. He is, and Godzilla 
is someone who— Not so much. Well, not a movie star, but I think he's going to be in the spot where he works best, which is a prime value add. You know, Godzilla doesn't—and and I know the, the title of the movie is Godzilla versus Kong, so Godzilla is first thing in the title. But let's, let's be honest, Godzilla is the value add here. Kong mm-hmm. is the movie star. Godzilla is the one that doesn't have to do all of the press, doesn't have to be the lead guest on all the talk shows, doesn't have to be— you know, Kong's the one who does carpool karaoke— and blast it out to all of his followers. And Godzilla is the one who, when Kong does that, they're going to say, oh, and Godzilla's in this too. I also kind of like Godzilla. Yeah. Well, I think it's a Tom and Jerry situation. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Tom's not the the one in that, in that couple that's keeping the lights on. Right. Right. It's a Jerry show. Jerry is the one people root for. Tom is the one people root against. And so I think it's the same thing with the Godzilla versus Kong. We're all rooting for Kong, I would think. Yeah. I mean, listen, Kong is the movie star. Kong's the one who you're going to need to keep this franchise going. Well, and the interesting thing. Okay, so say this movie makes 30 mil. I mean, let's say. The opening for, for Godzilla... King of the Monsters, just a few summers ago, was $47.7 million. Now, that was a three-day. But still, if this reaches 30, that's, that's like not that far off from a Godzilla movie that just opened a few summers ago. Wow. Wow. So if this movie overperforms to like 33 or something, that's... it's. Not that far, not that far from from what Godzilla was doing, you know, uh, earlier. Well, now that's Godzilla by himself and a few other monsters, but not Kong. And, you know, the thing that we have not even talked about as we're talking about Godzilla versus Kong opening in theaters this weekend is this movie is also same day available on HBO Max. Yes. And I think unlike the movies that they've released up to this point on HBO Max, you know, Little Things and Judas and the Black Messiah, even Wonder Woman, those are all movies that you really could get it when you watch it on television. You know, even Wonder Woman as like a special effects movie, it's still supposedly more character-based and, you know, it's, it's not... So much of a spectacle movie. But Godzilla versus Kong, I do think, is not going to be the type of movie where, where most people say, you know what, I'll just watch it on TV. If you wanted to see it in the theater, you're going to see it in the theater. Yeah, it's made for IMAX. Yes, yes. Like, there there will be, of course, a ton of people who watch it this week on an HBO but I don't know if those are people who ever would have really went to see it in the theater anyway. I will say I will watch it on HBO Max, mm-hmm. and I would not have seen this movie in the theater. It, so I'm proving your theory. So in a time, you know, not pandemic-related, if this movie opened up two years ago and was available same day on HBO, you would have watched it on HBO and not seen it in the theater. 
Well, I probably, I mean, not to be this guy, but I probably wouldn't have watched it at all. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Because there would be movies to other movies to go to the theater to see. That was that would be the thing. I would go to see a different movie instead of seeing that okay. movie. So you're very much but, being that guy. Well, I, I'm just being honest with my statement. But yes, I would have if I was interested at all in this film. I would have still watched it at home and not gone to the theater to see it gotcha. because I'm not a fan of these films. They have not had the, uh, the quality level of these films isn't, it's not quality. Actually. I'm just not interested at all in, in either of the characters. Kong, Let's just say that. So Kong's not, so that's your not guy. Kong's not one of your guys. He's not one of my guys. Yeah. No, Kong is not one of my guys. Godzilla is definitely not one of my guys. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I would have no interest in this. Um, but I, I do think that is a big factor in looking at how this movie does in theaters the next, you know, this weekend and, and in the next month is I don't actually think the HBO Max availability is going to matter that much like obviously it will cut into the box office because there will be people who could just see it on television in a way that you couldn't have before when movies came out but yeah i think the people who wanted to see this movie are going to still want to see it in a movie theater on a big screen so it it this could be our first movie release in over a year that has an opening weekend and has a run that looks like a real blockbuster movie. You know, that opens yeah. in the third opens at 25 to 30 and gets over 100 domestic. We could be looking at that. Yeah, that's man, it yeah, it's I it could happen. You know, we were we so we so overshot nobody that I'm just so now wanting to play a little bit more conservative. And the only reason for that is because, you know, people take what we say seriously. And I don't want to say that our, you know, our calls on nobody weren't serious. I think they were just really us trying to project something that maybe was not possible. And I'd rather do that than be a negative Nancy. So, so let's give our prediction. What do you think? I mean, or, or do you want to do a prediction on the three day or on the five day? I, I mean, I, I think we could do both. Yeah, okay, because I feel the and five think, day is fine to predict on that. You know, that's yeah. I I think what we could say here is with the three day, do we think it beats Wonder Woman, which would be over sixteen point seven, and do we think that it's going to go above thirty or? Or below thirty, and where where okay. in that range? I mean, I'll say right off the bat on the three day. I definitely think it beats the three day of Wonder Woman. I think it goes over sixteen point seven. So that's my prediction. And, and and as much as I'd like to go against that because we like to play that game, I, I do think as somebody who is a is a bo guy, putting all that evidence together. I have to go over because if it goes under, we're in trouble. Right. Honestly, we're in trouble, honestly, other than if this is not as strong of an IP as your Wonder Woman Mm -hmm. is, which is a possibility. But I think the amount of theaters that are open, the buzz this movie is getting, the ability for more people to go out and see it, the the big screen capability of a Godzilla versus K- Kong movie, I think it all adds up to over 16. 
0.7. So I'm going above. Great. Now, what do you predict for the um, for the three uh, for the five day? Does it go above or below thirty million dollars for the five day? I think it's definitely below thirty. Definitely below thirty. And I think we're looking at. I'm going to go really conservative on this, and I'm going to say that it's going to open to twenty two. Interesting. 22 for the five day. Mm-hmm. You know what? I will. Because I think most people are going to go to the theaters on the weekend. Like you said, I think that weekend is going to be big, but I don't think those first couple days are going right. to be all that, all that much to, to sneeze at. I will go under 30. I'm going to say for the five day, it opens at 20. Seven. Okay. I think it gets up there. I think it gets to the high 20s for the five-day. With most of I'm that, making... again, being from Thursday evening on. I, I would think the, the Wednesday and Thursday daytime numbers will be negligible. And from Thursday yeah. night on, this gets to about you know $25 million. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna massage a little bit. I, I'm gonna go 23 because okay. I, I think 22 is a little low. I'm gonna go 23, which is still on the low side. I I want. I mean, we both want this to go over 30. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yeah. We want that. We want to wake up Monday morning and unwrap a 33 million dollar five day opening weekend for Godzilla versus Kong. That is our dream. Mm-hmm. But I feel yeah, like so- we'll unwrap something closer to high 20s yeah but anyway for anything that happens to see double digit in the 20s or the 30s on the front page of a paper monday is gonna feel great Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um so yeah that is our predictions for this weekend there is one other movie opening this weekend in wide release from Sony Pictures, The Unholy, which you watched the trailer for right before we got on air. On air. What is And you this? listened to the audio. I listened to you listening to it, yeah. But I didn't start the trailer on my end. I, I, just, I just didn't do it. Well, this is Easter weekend coming up, which we actually didn't mention. So mm-hmm. uh, I do feel like that there may be... You know, this is a good weekend because families are maybe going to be together. Mm-hmm. I, you know, listen, I'm not going to make a comment on any of that stuff, but but they might not need a place to go, and the theater is something they can maybe all agree on. And I do think that, hey, let's just see this Godzilla versus Kong. So that could also be a reason why this box office is going to be big. But this is a horror movie about a young woman who is supposedly doing miracles, and they think it's. Uh, for God, and it turns out to be for demons or some such thing. Okay. Produced by Sam Raimi, starring uh, Dean. What is that guy's name? Uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Dean Morgan. Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Jeffrey Dean Morgan, which we all know from, uh, I guess, The Walking Dead and and Watchmen. Mm-hmm. Play the comedian Watchmen. This is strategically placed as counter programming to people who are, you know either going to church or something like that. These are for the, this is for the person who's like, no, I'm not going to church. I'm going to a horror movie that is about how church is bad, I think. Right. I don't know. Right. 
It's opening wide. We don't know what wide means. I'm assuming that it's opening wide the way the courier uh, opens wide, which was, well, actually, no, the courier is supposed to open limited and it opened in a, a thousand. So it might theaters. hit like 2000 theaters. Uh, yeah, that's a lot for this, yeah, though. I mean, nobody I guess opened because there's 2400. So, I mean, I would say this movie is uh, going to open at over a thousand. You look at Boogie, Boogie oh. is over a thousand theaters. So, somewhere between a thousand and like 2000, most likely. Well, and, and Boogie, I think, was limited. So, so we're looking at probably 2000. You're yeah. right. We're looking at 2000. Yeah. So what do you think? I think I think we can definitely do a top five for this for sure. this weekend. Our our because we we definitely have some things that will move around. Yeah, I mean, my top five would be you know Kong versus Godzilla's opening number one. I think nobody holds pretty well though. You know Godzilla versus Kong is gonna take up a lot of real estate this weekend and a lot of buzz, but I think nobody stays uh, strong and goes to number two. And then the question is, does this new movie, The Unholy, open at number three and get past Ryan, The Last Dragon? Ryan made $3.7 million last weekend. I don't see this unholy movie making anywhere near that. So I guess I would go the top five is Godzilla versus Kong, then Nobody 2, then Raya 3, then Tom and Jerry 4, and then the unholy 5. That's my top five. Okay. Because something like Come Play made about $3 million in its opening. Yeah, but I feel like Come Play... Was was not against anything. Was not against anything. Like I, I think Come Play probably was on display all by itself. You know, when you looked into a movie theater that weekend, you were just looking at Come Play. Mm-hmm. And I think The Unholy obviously has a, a much bigger movie opening up. Plus, nobody's a holdover. So, yeah, I think The Unholy ends up at number five making Man, probably I'm happy like that, around a million something. I'm I'm really happy that Godzilla versus Kong is coming out and bringing back box office, but I really wish that nobody could have gotten more than one weekend at number 1. Mhm. Mhm. It would have been nice if Bob could have gotten two, three weekends at number 1. It's not to be, but so I do think Godzilla versus Kong number 1 obviously nobody number 2 I do think I'm going to go with Raya, number three. Yeah, I I mean, I, it's really hard for me. You know, I'm just going to go, just to be a little di- different, I'm going to say The Unholy, four, and then Tom and Jerry, five. Okay, interesting. And I, and I know that it, that's not very smart, because I do think there's going to be very small drops for a lot of these films coming up because of the openings and, and the capacity changes and, and Easter weekend, but I just mix it up. Maybe The Unholy, maybe maybe this is a movie that people in the horror realm, the your bloody disgustings, your arrows in the heads... Mm-hmm are very excited about. I don't know. I'm not in that community. Yeah. Nothing against that community, but I'm not in that community. So hopefully it's a Sam Raimi production. People love Sam Raimi. So I'm going to go with that. Great. So that's our top five. 
I mean, as far as other news, I mean, we kind of hit on everything. Regal's opening back up a bunch of theaters this weekend, expanding over the next few weeks. Um, as far as B.O. Boys news, one thing I just want to touch on uh, that happened on social media this week that I think, again, proves just how in the know we are. Uh, there is a person, his name is Matthew Baloney. He was the former editorial director of The Hollywood Reporter. And this past week, a couple of days ago, he tweeted out that he had just talked to a Pixar friend who says that Luca and Soul moving to Disney Plus have been demoralizing for Pixar employees. And the quote was, forget theaters, we're not even good enough for an upcharge. The reason I bring that up is, on this show, I think it was last episode, we were talking about how just that, movies like Luca, which is opening this week, uh, opening this summer, a Pixar movie that Disney is just throwing on Disney+, Plus, not putting it on Disney+, Plus premium PVOD, just Disney+, Plus. the same thing they did for Soul, same thing they did for Onward after they pulled that out of theaters last spring. And we talked about how last uh, last week we talked about how my theory is Disney is either phasing out Pixar or sending a message to Pixar that they are not big king shit anymore, that they are basically going to take a backseat to the rest of Disney animation that Pixar is maybe on the way down, maybe on the way out. And we're seeing it out there in the real world. We get, we put that episode out and then everyone starts talking, everyone starts squawking and basically proves us right. You know, and I would be surprised if the B.O. boys, this show that got around at the Pixar offices and then they heard that and they started talking about it. They started talking about it to people like Matthew Baloney at the Hollywood reporter and they wanted to get the word out. Yeah. The BO boys are right. The BO boys nailed it. Disney is, is messing with Pixar. There's a civil war brewing and it's not much of a war because Pixar is just going to get massacred. And you know, it's out there. So when you start seeing it out there being reported elsewhere, just remember the B.O. boys nailed it first. Yeah, we were here first. Yep. I mean, I think that, God, we could really go into this, but I think we probably need to, to end this episode. But I do think that there is, uh, we can talk about this closer to when these movies drop. Mm-hmm about why what's the reasoning for and then you've mentioned you know that there's no reason for disney to promote pixar because it it's, it doesn't say disney yes they want things that say disney yeah and even the marvel products they're marvel but you watch them on disney plus right because because people are going to say where are you oh wandavision it's on disney plus mm-hmm. they're not going to say oh it's that marvel show they're going to say Oh, what's that Marvel show? But it's on Disney Plus. I think that is fine because Marvel is a crown jewel. Pixar has kind of been tarnished, and it, it, it really, 
it's not helping that Disney's not promoting it as much, but also the films have not resonated the way the original films have resonated. The Disney animation films are wildly more popular and wildly more marketable Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. than the Pixar movies. And so the focus is going to be on that, and Pixar is just a thing that they can throw in their pocket that parents will be excited to be, oh, there's the new depressing Pixar movie on Disney+. Plus. I'm going to watch this. Yes. But it's it's not Moana. They haven't made anything as popular or culturally resonant as, as a, a Moana is, which is a generational film. Right. Or Frozen. I mean, yeah. Or it's Frozen. The Pixar movies are for... Uh, uh, us, are for us. Our age group. They're for like sad Gen Xers and hippies at this point. They're not for kids. So at this point, I think the- Disney is starting to see, all right, if if they're just making, you know, sad movies for hippies, let's slash the budget and it'll just be some niche content that we throw on Disney Plus. Yeah, you're not selling up pajamas you're not selling pajamas that have the uh the beginning of of up in 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 different you know here's here's the jar here's the jar full of money right here's him sitting next to his his wife's deathbed right like you're not going to sell pajamas that have scenes from up on them right or you know like the the up uh, uh uh juice cup set where it's like, you know, every cup has a different moment from this couple's uh, uh, life. You know, this cup shows yeah. when they met, and then this cup shows where he, he watches her in hospice. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not where the money is. So I think, you know, for all of the Pixar employees who are listening to the B.O. Boys, for all you Pixar employees who are want to be O boys, want to be O girls, want to be O people. People. Take note of what Disney is doing. The fact that they are putting all the Pixar movies, just dumping them on the service, not PVOD, it's a message. And you might want to start getting some princesses in your movies and, you know, do whatever. I'm not, listen, I'm not out here saying whether Pixar movies are good or bad. There's a lot I've liked. It's not about that. But in terms of BO, in terms of getting yourselves on the Disney Plus PVOD, which is where you want to be now. You don't want to be just dumped on the service with, like, High School Musical 4 and, you know, uh, uh, a bunch of Disney Channel show reunions, you know, and behind the scenes of, like, a Taylor Swift album. That's Disney Plus free content. Pixar, you want to be Disney Plus premium PVOD. and Absolutely. Uh, right now, Disney does not see Pixar that way. And we said that last week. We'll talk about it more when Luca comes out. But you go on Twitter, the news that the B.O. Boys broke, it's basically confirmed. People within Pixar are starting to feel the heat of being dumped straight onto Disney+, and it's obviously a sign. Absolutely. And one more thing before we end, we just have one move. A, a move up, the hitman's wife's bodyguard, mm-hmm. the Samuel Jackson and Ryan Reynolds to hander, is moving up to June 16th. So it was in August, but then when Free Guy moved to August 13th, that was only going to be a week before. 
this film, so you have to spread out your Ryan Reynolds. So it's moving up, which I think is a smart move. Uh, the first one did did very well. Uh, not it didn't do Buffalo Bobo, but it was one of those August sleepers. And I think this movie will do very good in its June sixteenth slot. So that's it. Other than that, Pat, where can they find us? Email us at the Podcast at gmail.com. Let us know if you are excited to see Godzilla vs. Kong this weekend. Let us know if you saw or are about to see nobody. Let us know if you're going to see the unholy as some kind of, you know, anti-religious statement. That's cool. Let us know about it. Whatever gets you to the box office is fine with us. So email us at the Podcast at gmail.com. Great. And that has to be it. That must be yeah, it. Yeah, so the only other thing it. It needs to that be we it. haven't Please covered yet, it. of course, is a place that I have been spending a lot of time recently. By recently, I mean the last year. And, of course, that place is the Jake Vogelness Patreon, which Clayton introduced me to. Um, hey, don't blame me for year, this. You know, when we were... I mentioned it. I merely we mentioned were it. were deciding to put our Patreon on hold because there were other places where people could spend their money, more important places. Clayton suggested one of those places would be the Jake Fogelness Patreon. One of the best things Clayton has ever done on this podcast, and in his life, I would say, is introducing me to the existence of this magical space, this safe place that I could go and feel safe, this place that is just doing a lot of cool stuff. You know, it's got a lot of cool, interesting stuff going on over here at the Jake Vogelness Patreon, which I discovered thanks to Clayton earlier in the year. Wow. And, you know, I think I've mentioned it, but but if I haven't, this is a place where you could go to get full episodes of Squirt TV, you know, clips from Squirt TV. So you watch the full episode, then you could just go back and rewatch specific clips over and over again. You could then go back and rewatch the full episodes of Squirt TV. Also, audio commentaries and behind the scenes of Squirt TV. You know, so you get the stories behind the clips, behind the episodes. Um, And just all sorts of really cool stuff. You know, a a recent... uh, uh, piece of content that was on the Jake Fogelness Patreon is uh, an exclusive look at how he's upgraded his podcast studio. You know, so I'm getting to see that. I'm getting to see what the new recording devices look like. You know, new chairs, new rugs, all all sorts of really awesome stuff like that. Um, And, you know, on his podcast, he looks at by he, I, of course, mean Jake Fogelness, looks at pop culture that we all know and love, but we don't necessarily know everything about it. And on a recent episode, he looked at the uh, famous 90s show Kids Incorporated, looked at some episodes, talked about them, behind-the-scenes stories. And while Kids Incorporated, of course, was not Squirt TV, it's still great to hear Jake talk about Kids Incorporated and 
not just to hear that, but to be part of a community that enjoys hearing that, that wants to know about Kids Incorporated, that wants to then talk about Kids Incorporated amongst ourselves, you know, comment below in the, in the Patreon post, mix it up amongst each other with our Kids Incorporated memories. That is the kind of place that I want to be. And Clayton, thank you for bringing this into my life early in the pandemic and letting me know this existed and putting me on a path to where, yes, I get this kind of content, where I get Jake Fogelnest digging into Kids Incorporated. And Clayton, you have got to come join us. I, I, don't, have the sp- I don't have the money to spare. If I were to... I don't have this money. If I were to loan you some money so that you would be able to join us on the Jake Fogelness Patreon, you don't even have to worry about paying me back. Just pay me back in the joy that you'll get from being part of our community. So you'll you'll let me borrow money for this, but when I ask you for three grand, you say no. Yeah, but you're asking for money for, for you know, in the past you've asked for money for doctor's bills, uh, to keep away mm-hmm. debtors and creditors. That's not, those are not serious needs. You know, surgeries and, and uh, preventative care, to me that's not what is important for you right now. What is important is having access to this content, being part of this community, feeling the love and safety, and being able to be part of a place where there's just so much cool stuff happening. That's what you need. You don't need uh, to, to cure your physical ailments. You just need to, I think, cure your mental ailments by being part of the Jake Fogelness Patreon. So yes, I will lend you the money for this, I will not lend you the money for medical bills and uh, uh, possibly life-saving uh, medical measures. All right. Well, so if I do try it, will you shut the fuck up about it? I mean, I know you say that in jest. Sometimes you try and get like a zinger in on the show, you know, as part of the entertainment portion here. Um, obviously this is part of my life. This is part of me. And I think that once you are fully engrossed and enmeshed in the Jake Fogelness Patreon, uh, there's going to be few things you're going to want to talk about other than this at the end of the show. Of course, we'll always do the box office, but I think the Jake Fogelness Patreon will become a bigger part of the show as it becomes a bigger part of both of our lives. So I ask you to join me and meet me there at the Jake Fogelmas Patreon. I will see. We'll see. I mean, I, I, I think otherwise, Pat, we, we did it. We did it. And so there's nothing left to say, but until next time, we'll, we'll smash.